Hello and welcome to the Run Beyond Podcast. My name is Jason Brooks and I'm one of the co-hosts of this here podcast and I'm joined today with Jason Schlar. Jason, how are you today? I'm doing great. Excited to, to talk with, with our listeners about what uh, we're all about. We want to talk a little bit about our coaching philosophy and uh, that coaching philosophy is also obviously going to be a major influence of this community and how it works. Jason, I want to hear about your your training journey and how you got into coaching. And uh, in particular, you spent a lot of time as a, as a professional and elite level athlete coaching yourself. And then over the past four to five years, you've been working with a coach, David Roche. You're now you're performing at the top of your game, one of the best ultra runners in the world, top ultra runner arguably in the U.S., what is what is your value proposition on having a coach? Why how you made that decision? Why and and what have you found to be the most valuable thing in that? Yeah, that's a lot right there, Jason. But um, you know, I, I I would I would start by talking about my background. Uh, you know, I wasn't a runner through high school too much. I was a soccer player, and and and, and running was punishment. And, uh, you know, it wasn't fun. It wasn't, uh, you know, a team kind of activity. But uh, because of a whole bunch of other details we won't cover, I got into running and walked on to um, Montana State's um, Division One program, which was, uh, you know, the year I left, I think the team got uh, 10th at, at Nationals. And so I got an experience quickly of how to get fast and, in, and how to, to perform. Um, and, you know, with, with a lot of, at the time in the nineties, late nineties, early 2000, a lot of, um, a lot of techniques and, and, and training ways, you know, using tempo and short intervals and, and the long runs and, and just the basics that I received there. But, uh, it, it was successful, but the, the reason I bring this up is, is it was a big learning point in that I started to understand that, um, at that point in running history. Uh, a lot of coaches believed that in, in distance running, it was kind of no pain, no gain still in a way that you just coach your athletes as hard as you possibly can, get them to the line, and whoever of the team makes it and survives the program will be your best athletes. And I, unfortunately, was kind of playing with that line. I wasn't the fastest guy on the team. We had all American runners on the team. And I would perpetually come into cross country and do really, really well. And but I would race every workout, and my coach would allow that. And I got to the point where every indoor season after cross country in the fall, and even into outdoor track, I was burnt out. Just, just, just I couldn't do it anymore because I was racing my teammates every single hard workout. And um, this leads into to kind of my philosophy and theory here in a bit. But from there, I went and, and ran semi-professionally in, in both the military and on the roads for marathon, for 5K, 10K kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I wasn't making a living. I wasn't that fast. But my heart was uh, in the trails, on the, in the mountains, on the trails. And um, I kind of was excited to leave the structure of classical distance running. And at that time, we're, we're talking about 2008 to 2012 timeframe, a lot of the pioneers in our sport, um, had the cavalier approach of just going out and running as much as you can in the mountains with as much vertical and not giving a shit about pace. 
So I went from one complete opposite polar world to the next, and I loved it. I indulged. I, I went for it, and I honestly leveraged my speed and all that work that I had done since you know the, the last decade to be able to maintain my run economy and my efficiency, and it was really really successful. And you know I was able to you know run with Killian and set the second fastest time ever on Hard Rock, but right after that my speed kind of ran out and I had to do something different. And I found that I was running way slower all the time. And I was just an aerobic machine, totally lacking that efficiency for running. And also that, you know, that top end speed that I had, you know, leveraged for so long in the ultra uh, success for the, the, the previous years. That's when I ran into David and, you know, reintroduce myself to doing speed work, um, not just going out there and having tons and tons of fun and, you know, being uh, underweight and uh, really good at being aerobic. I finally gained some weight and got my speed back and then, you know, came upon my best performance shape that I've ever had. Um, you know, in, in these last few years, I've been, I, I know that my body is faster, more efficient, and I can run ultras better than I ever have before. So my philosophies, you know, kind of bringing all this up into a nutshell is basically a mix between having a lot of fun and, you know, getting out on the trails, obviously, but for longevity, um, for health and for performance, it's really important to stay in touch with speed and, and, and how you do that. And then also staying in touch with recovery. And, you know, really paying attention to that, something that I never did in my early years. And, and you know, listening to the body, understanding perceived effort, um, you know, not racing every single workout, you know, from, from comparison to other people or yourself. And that kind of summarizes my journey. And, uh, you know, there's a, we could talk for another 17 hours, uh, Jason, about all the different intricacies of that. But in general, that's where I came from and how I got to where I am now. And, you know, the last part I'll say about that is I've had the experience over the last five years of working with other athletes as a coach myself and seeing these principles, these philosophies, and this journey that I've had and being able to apply it to others um, from people that are, you know, the back of the pack, middle of the pack, um, also to other guys that are, you know, racing up there at the top of the top of the field so it's it's been it's been gratifying and it's been really exciting to to have that uh um you know insight and 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 being able to find out what really works really well so how about you jason i want to follow up on a little bit of this so what have you liked about having a coach like what what do you think has been really good about that for you well you know i I did have a coach, you know, obviously in college and then even sure. running for some clubs in, in Boston and in the military, you know, I had some great influences with Mark Cucazella and um, even uh, Michael Peroni in Boston. And it, it, it wasn't too long that I didn't have a coach. And it was partly because, you know, sure. Anton Krupichka, myself, Jeff Rose, there were no coaches. Absolutely no coaches. It was, it was, it was, you know, in that, you know, before 2015 or so, you know, before Carmichael or, or you know, um, Ken Coop 
you know, there wasn't that really option. And it was, it was almost taboo. Like it was, we're mountain people, you know, for the ultra trail kind of community. We're mountain people that don't need, you know, this. We're out there having fun and you just go out there and we're crazy and it works. And I like that, you know, just see what you can, you can do. Just get time on your feet. That's, that, that was kind of a mantra, you know, of that time. And uh, uh, I, I even remember, uh, you know, running into Tony in Boulder and, you know, him asking, Jason, we, uh, let's go do this run tomorrow. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I, I've kind of gone hard the last couple of days. I'm going to take an easy day tomorrow. And he just looked at me scornfully. And he would be mad. <laughs> but he, he'd have to own this. But he looked over me like, I don't ever take easy days. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. And, you know, and, and this was when he was, you know, God, you know, around the entire globe. And uh, it worked, but it doesn't work for too long, as, as he knows. And right, uh, right. Anybody does, but the coaching thing is accountability. So all the side stories, uh, push that away. It, it's accountability and you know, keeping yourself from yourself, and then the education part. Uh, you know, I had a quite an education for you know nearly two decades, and it was time to um, to, to 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 go back to school a bit because things change. And, uh, you know, we figure things out. And, you know, I talked to my high school coach actually last week and he's like, Jason, I'm sorry. You know, if you if we could have done what we're doing now, man, you would have ran like a minute faster at the 5K. And uh, it's the that's the case. So we need to continue education. Um, and then the third part is, you know, it, it's a community. You know, I, I get to be able to to work with the coach, but also the other athletes, um, you know, or, or, you know, to, to, to have that is is encouraging and it keeps me um, motivated and, and also, you know, find uh, meaning and having relationship, too. So those those are the reasons that I I uh, I went for a coach. And I think that, you know, with within our community, uh, we provide that as well. And, and it's uh, it's a great thing to have. I, I want to hear, I, I could ask a hundred questions about the Wild West days of ultra running. Well, maybe we'll reserve that for a full podcast. <laughs> it should be a podcast for sure. We'll, we'll create a story series or something like that. The day when peanut butter and jelly and Mountain Dew reign supreme. I do feel like <laughs> over the past five years, we've entered a new frontier in in training thought and rigor around ultra running and really wrestling thoughtfully with the the differentiated challenges of intense competition beyond three hours and uh, for me there's a clear delineation in in what it takes to run hard for three hours and what it takes to run hard for five six twelve twenty four forty eight hours run run intensely over three or four or five days or say a stage race or something and uh, mm -hmm. the equation just totally changes. The principles of training and human physiology remain the same. However, the, the time factor requires you to rethink how you deal with all of that because you have to look beyond that three-hour mark where, for example, in the marathon, you can effectively dehydrate yourself over the course of two and a half to three and a half hours. In a marathon, you're not going to suffer major consequences most of the time. Uh, but if you do that in an ultra marathon, then six hours later, when your body shuts down, you, have, you can't 
like you can't dig out of that hole and you have to plan from the beginning how you deal with with what's going to happen to your body long term and so there are a lot of things that, that we will talk about with that so for me i i grew up um with my first love being basketball and i wanted just like so passionately to become the next michael jordan <laughs> and uh i played I had thousands and thousands of hours of basketball as a kid, just like all I did. And I ran track and cross country in middle school because I was, I was fast. I could, I could run a decent mile. I was always kind of the fastest kid in the school at, at the like mile to the mile and a half distance, but I wasn't that passionate about it. I did it because the coaches that coached track and cross country were also the basketball and football coaches. And they were like, Brooks, you need to come and you got to run. You got to run. Ah, oh, you got to run. And so I did. And when I got to high school, I didn't bloom at all. Like I went through puberty, like in my 20s or something, it seems, because I was five foot and like 95 pounds as a freshman in high school. And the dudes around me had beards and armpit hair. They looked like lumberjacks. They were all huge. <laughs> and I just couldn't play basketball against a bunch of guys that that were all grown up and shit. And so it was like me being on the adult court as a freshman in high school trying to, trying to play basketball as a kid. And I didn't make the team. And when I didn't make the basketball team, I just gave up on all of sports. And I didn't run for a long time uh, unless I was running from the police. Until I got into the military, <clears throat> at the end of my Marine Corps career, in my sort of mid-20s, I um, had an epiphany in the middle of an Iraq deployment that my destructive lifestyle w was making me a shitty person. And I only realized that through long bouts of forced sobriety and like that and boredom, I started training again and I would go to the gym a bunch and I would run a little bit. And then I got out of the Marine Corps in 2007 and a buddy called me up and said, Hey, Jason, do you want to go run the Austin marathon? I was running like 15 miles a week. But I was like, sure. We're Marines. Like, well, no problem. We'll get this. And it was, uh, um, I got totally destroyed in that race. But then I, I was like, oh, if I trained, what could I do? I ran three and a half hours in the marathon off of 15 miles a week of training and zero experience of what it would be like. And I ran the 2007 Chicago marathon right after Austin. I ran three hours flat. And then I went for a trail run one day after that, and I just never looked back to the road. I was just like, this is amazing. And uh, that was where I was like the warrior athlete in me coming out, right? Where I'm like, I'm going to jump over every log and climb every rock and scramble everything. And uh, But at the time, I, I my training style was just run every run as hard as you can. So I could basically go out for like five hour long tempo runs every week and that was kind of all I did and eventually I I suffered all the you know injuries that an athlete does early in their running career especially if you get into it later all the IT bands and and the just like weird things that come up a little bit of plantar a little bit of Achilles this and that fast forward in 2014 um my my wife and I fell in with rogue running here in Austin Texas and now I started coaching the trail program at Rogue, and we started training with Team Rogue, which is the Advanced Marathon Training Group. 
that is based in downtown Austin. That program is pretty rigorous. At the time, it was coached by Steve Sisson, who was one of the Rogue founders. He coached at the University of Texas for a while, was a UT athlete himself in track and field. And the culture at the time was, if you can't run 100 miles a week, you can't be a great marathoner. And uh, so I learned some good things and some bad things in that period of time there. One of them was the polarized training model, doing high intensity work and then doing some easy work. So I learned the concept of workouts and really like structuring workouts, targeting energy systems and balancing that with recovery running and easy running. But I also saw the pressure of these athletes. Like for one, they were coming in and racing every practice, even if it was in so like the workouts, you know, if you're supposed to run 10K pace, they're at 3K pace and just like pressing the gas, right? Always redlining. And then on the easy run days, they're all running like a steady effort, you know, pushing on tempo with like three mile closes on the runs. And it just ground out a lot of athletes. I mean, especially the ones who, who, you know, so a lot of the athletes in that program ran in college, but then they're all in careers, they got families, like they're not training like elite level athletes anymore or anything like that. So the combined pressure of life and then trying to train at this uh, high level left a lot of them, you know, they could make it three years in the program, right? You know, you kind of talk about um, Anton's example. It's like they make it three years of trying to achieve 100 miles, trying to do all this workout, racing these workouts, all this racing all the time outside of that. And then they're they're injured and they're out. They're on the wayside and they're for a year they struggle with, with trying to recover from injury and get back into it and recover from injury and get back into it. And, and I think what my coaching philosophy is today is born a lot out of that experience and watching, you know, having my own struggles with injury and health and watching all of these athletes struggle with it. And it's that I want to train at an advanced level as an athlete. I want to compete at, at my highest potential. Um, but I am also an entrepreneur and a father and a husband, and I have all these responsibilities in life and I have time constraints and I can only do so much with training. And so I've had to learn how to optimize my health so that I can optimize my performance. And I've had to learn how to, how to balance and recover. Um, and that for me, like I have this really holistic perspective on coaching where I can't just give an athlete a bunch of workouts to go and do, and then hope that they, they succeed without understanding all the ways in which they need to take care of themselves. And so that's been the frontier of, of my focus. I've been working with functional medicine practitioners and nutritionists here in Austin to learn as much as possible about myself and everything that goes into the, the athletes that they work with. And, and so that's where I am today. Optimal health equals optimal performance. And I want to figure out how to create as much space as possible for training stress by optimizing stress management in every other area of life outside of running. You have to do it in running as well. So a polarized training model, focus on recovery, 
being honest with yourself about the efforts in your workouts, training by effort so that you don't run over your body trying to achieve an arbitrary pace is all really important. But then also thinking about like how you live on a day-to-day basis and how that's going to influence your performance is really important. And I'm okay with an athlete not wanting to get into anything outside of running if they don't want to. Totally fine. But I have to put out there that like if you want to achieve your best in your running, you have to think about what you do every day and how that affects your performance. Yeah. I think all of that is great, Jason. And and you know, I, I think that, you know, you reminded me that an important thing to understand is there's cycles. And, you know, it's it there's going to be times when you're, you know, absorbing training and it it feels tiring. And there's gonna be other times where you feel absolutely great and you wanna push even further. And so it, you know, finding you know, helping athletes figure out when it's okay to feel a certain way and, and, and what to do about that. And, and, you know, not freaking out and, you know, you know, trusting the process and and seeing how the process works, but then also, you know, not riding the high when things are really feeling good and, and, you know, just pushing ourselves over the edge and expecting to, you know, stay in that place. Uh, you know, it, yeah. it, it's a cycle and it's, it's, it's a, it's a journey and it's, it's really entertaining and exciting both as a coach and <laughs> as an athlete. And I, 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 um, you know, I oftentimes, even as a, a really talented runner with many years behind me, expect to feel good and fast and, you know, have all my paces only go one direction you know, kind of just this right. perfect slope of, of, of greatness, you know, that just never ends. But it, you know, you know, I understood that there were seasons, but in, in general, you know, I, I, you know, the, the long game, I've, I've really understood that uh, a bit more and, and, and both myself and working with athletes and, and understanding that kind of those different cycles and, uh, you know, having a coach, you asked me, you know, what, what, why, uh, you know, people, why did I choose to have a coach? And it's, it's that um, assurance. And then that, that foresight and that, that like scope to be able to see out far and not lose that perspective. Because oftentimes, you know, we are in the moment and it's, it's hard not to get down or, or too excited so quickly. And so I, I, I think that that's an important part of that. The training game. Yeah, you hit on this great point here, right? The human body is not linear in any way. There's nothing about it that's linear except that, like, we're going to get older year over year. Like, that's the only linear <laughs> life yeah. for a human being. And um, and our training is no different. Nothing about our training is linear. And I think that when we can embrace that, we can start to let go of our attachments to, like, today was a good day or today was a bad day, right? I mean, you, you get, like, adopt the Buddhist mentality of like, today was a beautiful, sunshiny day. I'm so happy and joyous. Like, don't get attached to that because the next day might be stormy and not so good. And and you might run into some problems with a colleague or someone you're in a relationship with or a friend. And that day is not going to be so good. But don't get attached to that day either because it's going to be followed by a different day. And yes. so, you know, once you understand that, you can you can really like lose the myopic focus on the medium and think about long term where do i want to go and that's where that's where my is right when i am 55 years old when i am 60 years old i still want to toe the line on an epic mountain race adventure 
or, or even if I'm not competing, still go out and run and like connect with nature and be a part of that. And I, you know, because it's fulfilling, but because it's also part of the human condition to like stay physically healthy so that I can keep my brain healthy so that I can just enjoy this experience for what it is. And, and that, I mean, it's just, yes, from an ethos standpoint, right. That's core to all of this thing we call running in life. Yes. And, and your favorite, I know, Jace, you know, process and, and, you know, just being able to understand that each day is a gift in telling what's going on. And, you know, sometimes we don't have the expertise to know what that means. And, you know, a coach can help, but it's it's very telling. And, it, you know, that's where we get in trouble oftentimes with team distance running. You know, the, the Strava uh, running is that we're comparing so many different people in different places with different strengths and weaknesses and in different levels of absorbing or performing training, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough, it's difficult. And so to help be a coach or have a community that you can, you know, ground yourself and have that confidence and patience and, and learn to listen to yourself that that's where the magic happens. That's where, you know, frankly, Jason Schlarb can still be competitive at 42, you know, at a 50K that, you know, back in my old program, if I hadn't changed, it would have just been kind of that black and white. I just push as hard as I possibly can. And, but now I listen to the nuances and, and understand effort and, and what my body is telling me. And if you could become a, you know, a master of that, then you will become as fast as you can. And that, that's, there's, there's a lot of potential in everybody. Yeah. I, and I like that, as fast as you can, right? That's the thing to focus on. We live in this age now of social media, and there are beautiful things about social media, and there's some challenges, and the comparison, the comparative psychology, and the pitfalls of that can really be a struggle. I try to remind myself all the time when I see people doing heroic things on Strava that, one, there's like a whole lot of ways to fool a platform like Strava with whatever you're doing. Uh, but two, you don't really know anything about like what the other athletes are going through. And, and the only thing that matters is to focus on yourself. And, and that the process piece, right, that's an important part of, of my coaching philosophy. And we've laid it out as part of what's important to this community uh, from a philosophical standpoint. And there's so much bound up in it. You know, the process, like we've been talking, isn't linear. It's one of step changes. Like you need to be patient and realize over time you're building a skill set, you're building experience, you're you're building a foundation for for fitness. And while we might all be born, we're all born, not might, but we're all born with some innate level of of talent and capability, but that's not fixed. That can grow over time if we do the work, if we're patient, if we, we just chip away at it. We need the motivation. That part is really important. And if you're motivated, you'll keep getting up every day and doing the small things and you'll keep progressing. And we, we need an open mind, yep. right, to learn new things, to challenge our assumptions about how we succeed in this sport and to realize that, that like there are a lot of people out there thinking really smart about how, how we can make big gains. And eventually we get to the point where yep. our gains come on the margin 
Like, like long gone are the days where I could knock out a 30 minute marathon PR over a six month span like that. I'm, those days are long behind me. I'm now like analyzing my blood chemistry and thinking yeah. about how I can use binaural beats to get 30 more minutes of sleep at night so that I can just be a little bit better the next day and the next day. And uh, so, yeah. It's fun. There's so many factors. And, and you know, I, I, I want to hit on the assumption thing. I get clients and friends and, you know, myself included in the past and say, I'm going to run UTMB. And, okay, it is December. And so I need to go out and just start power hiking up mountains and just start doing long runs where I'm just doing that kind of terrain. And, and that you know, these are intelligent, smart people that are good athletes, but that's, that's not what you need to be doing in December to get ready for UTMB. It, it, you know, it, not saying that December can't be a place where you go and you, you know, work on vertical, you know, you know, strength and, and, and that, that muscle group and descending, but, you know, for the traditional program to, to you know, have the, the best success, you know, that muscle gain of, of, of actually, you know, adapting to the terrain specific, that's actually one of the last things, um, you know, I would do or I focus on. And instead, I'm running on the flat, you know, just like Hayden Hawks or, or Jim Walmsley or, or, you know, a lot of the best, most successful ultra runners of our, you know, our, our, our new era is, is, you know, realizing that it's, it's, it's more complicated and there's a lot of different factors and there's a lot of different things that you would, you know, you don't want to assume. And so I, I, I think that that's, that that's exciting to me. And, you know, having come from like, you know, Hayden and, and Jim from a road background, you know, it's, um, it's kind of neat to have to work in so many different dimensions of, of working on your body to become the ultimate winner of UTMB. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that, so that gets at like the diversity of the skills we have to cultivate, especially as ultra runners. And it hits on, you know, one of the things that, that comes out for me in coaching philosophy is that I front load a programmer a season with the least specific work, right? It's, it's equally as important to spend time climbing mountains as it is to spend time running laps around a track at a 10K effort. But one is more specific to your race event than the other. And so one has a time when it would be better to, to do right so I'd rather spend my time on the track six months out from my race and spend my time in the mountains you know for like two months to out from that race you know I'm kind of like thinking when when should I yeah. get race specific and really focus on these things and if and so you want to be able to develop your speed and like keep up the running economy the efficiency and mechanics use that high intensity training to to really solidify neuromuscular recruitment and rebuild pathways that start to lie dormant after you spend a bunch of time yep. running slow in the mountains. And, and then when you get closer to your race, okay, I need to remind my body what it's like to go and climb 10,000 feet mm -hmm. in, in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. you know, Run economy takes a lot longer to build than, than power hiking muscles. You know, you I can get an athlete, you know, to become a good power hiker there's a lot of factors here involved but in a lot shorter time but i'd much rather invest in that athlete's ability to run efficient 
and with great economy and, you know, practice their body for fueling and, you know, make sure we have all yeah. the strength and, and all the, the niggles figured out. And then when it's time, you know, we start to do more power hiking later in that summertime. And, and this isn't just for Hayden Hawks, myself or Jim Walmsley. This is this is for the people that are chasing cutoffs. Right. It, it, it also produces health, you know, the, the, the lack of injuries. So, you know, sometimes I, I, I see people or hear people say, uh, it, I just want to have fun. I would reply, you can have a lot more fun if your body is really well prepared prepared to do what you have fun in, fun doing exactly so it, it is not just the special thing for those guys that want to you know push themselves in their crazy or or win a race or be the podium or age group no this is the people that just want to go out and get that ultra or that trail race completed they all all these people have great opportunity to improve their experience by taking these philosophies and 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 minding these, these great, you know, educational, you know, nidbits of, 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 of a coach or, or the program. Yeah. There's no reason why the same training principles for an elite athlete wouldn't apply to the everyday athlete. There's nothing special about you versus me and your ability to complete the principled framework of training. You, you perform at a higher level than I do, but that doesn't mean that I can't also go out and do the same thing. And, and that all you're doing, right, all, all we're talking about is preparing ourselves in the best way that we know how from, from the cumulative years of scientific research and practical application of athletes all over the world, figuring out what's the best way for a human to train for an ultramarathon. And so there's like no reason why everybody shouldn't do that. It is not exclusive to any class of athlete to train this way. And perhaps we can call that the perfect endpoint for our coaching philosophy here at Run Beyond. Thank you so much, Jason, for sharing your philosophy with all of us. It's been a great time. Please follow us on social media at the Run Beyond Experience. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast.